Welcome to the Edgy Tech Me podcast. This episode is produced by Ben Newsom, Suzette Bailey, Carrie Benedett and Jonathan Schack. And yes I am an AI introducing each episode. Recently a robot has performed surgery on a pig without any human assistance using AI instead to direct the robot's actions. This episode is about the various applications of AI and robotics in surgery and agriculture. All right, welcome to the Edutech Me podcast. We're having a bit of a chat in the green room uh, just before this particular episode, and we're thinking about machines. How much do we trust them if they're powered by an artificial brain and AI? And uh, there's a lot of applications in this, and uh, we thought we might have a bit of a chat about this, Suzette and Jonathan, for uh, this particular one. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting that we're almost coming up to 15, well, we're over 15 years since the first um, assisted, unassisted, sorry, surgery uh, using only AI, um, heart surgery, which is is phenomenal that it was 15 years ago that that happened. And highly brave of the patient, <laughs> considering they were, they were quite coherent and knew what they were signing up for. Well, one would hope the patient was um quizzed on whether they were happy with it or not because that's an issue in its own right but the piece of information that i got from uh, what was shared was that it contained over 10,000 the data of 10,000 different uh, operations and no human could actually recall that so it's, it's very good so i guess so i guess the question would be for me as i thought about this is out of those 10,000 um patients you know, the data that, you know, that's been accumulated in, in the AI, how many of those had issues that went wrong? And so, I mean, it, the fact that this particular article uh, produced a great positive outcome for the patient, you know, well done, that's awesome, it's fantastic. But I guess your data is only as good as what you give it. And so, uh, you know, those unintended consequences whereby a surgeon of, you know, 30 years background, they've seen this weird thing at a conference where someone described as very strange, rare effect of some drug or whatever it is. I suppose that's the question when it comes to uh, AI and medicine is how much do you have to feed it before you can trust it? I mean, what are your thoughts? Is that? Look, I think this is um, it's funny. I was watching a, a science fiction show yesterday where it had a hologram in it and it was talking about, you know, and, the, the situation they had to go through um, the hologram was supposed to have and the person who programmed it anticipated every particular problem except the one that they actually got which is obviously you know it's a sci-fi show um, and the hologram's like but I, I don't know like I don't have enough information and I think in this case it's the same sort of thing um, you know 99% of the time or whatever number things will go right but um, I think probably the, the the situation is when the thing goes wrong, you know, something goes wrong, does the AI have enough information to know what to do if that goes wrong? Um, if something goes wrong, that's not something that it's ever even been programmed on, or is it, um, or is it uh, a case of, you know, it's going to be like this hologram going, I, I don't know, what am I going to do? And you've now got this person sitting on a table open with no way of moving forward. I guess it's like a lot of these things. In that, if I may say, yeah. uh, there's instinct, which a lot of surgeons and a lot of specialists in whatever they do have instinct. And I don't know if AI can acquire instinct and what is the definition of instinct. So that's another topic in its own right, I guess. But also we in earlier conversations talked about AI being a tool 
Now, if you're a surgeon, you have various tools, the scalpel and all the other things that they have. And if AI is one of their tools, um, you know, I would have imagined a situation or be comfortable with a situation where a surgeon uses AI to do 99% of the operation, but it is a tool in the surgeon's hand and they're available for that 1% that might go wrong or be a bit different. Yeah. I mean, I kind of think about well, what's the application on the good side? Where could this be hand- handy? Uh, someone to become that level, like a full-blown cardiothoracic surgeon, kind of kind of do a bit of study a lot of experience in there so this is a force multiplier of that person's understanding and you know medicine as a whole so what if you had to set up a field hospital after a massive disaster event or a military event or whatever and rather than having that one person who really knows how to sort this particular problem out you could deploy you know it it becomes a cost question at this point deploy how many machines that can do the thing in a field tent um, I don't know, that would be useful. And of course, there's going to be cases when people are going to you know, not do well on the table because the AI doesn't understand what's going to happen. But I'd suggest potentially that if they needed that emergency th- surgery then there, the chances of having a specialist right there in the middle of a hurricane, <laughs> it's going to be pretty low. Exactly yeah. right, exactly right. And your point's well made because if you think about the Fred Hollows Institute, mm-hmm. where he's doing multiple operations for... I guess it's cataracts and glaucoma all the time, is that wouldn't it be better for a village to have an AI doing it if they couldn't have the people? Mm. So in other words, it, it leverages up the capacity of whatever you want to do. The other so, thing with all of this too is that I think for me in, in like the hologram example where in this particular, so, so, um, like as I said, the science fiction show, that just have the hologram standing there going, I don't know, I don't know what to do anymore. I think for me, this is a, a big example of in those circumstances, and like you were saying about the force multiplier, then um, for uh, disaster situations is having that senior person who does into um, know, um, has that understanding of what to do next in that circumstance, step in if the, and the AI flag, okay, I can't go beyond this point. I don't know what to do in the situation. Now I'm going to hand off to a human. And I think as long as those checks and balances are put into place, then the force multiplier aspect of this becomes huge. And, and for me, it's, it's that whole, the magic happens when the humans and AI work together. Um, the AI does the, the more standard or all st- standard things like the friend mm-hmm. always one that you mentioned, Jonathan, yeah. but the human steps in when there's a, something that goes beyond that yes yeah it almost um you just conjured up an image of a, of a hub and spoke model where you've got this central control room filled with really gen, you know genius uh, medical practitioners and they're remote from whatever's going on in, in the field and it's almost in some ways i don't know why perhaps it's it, my, my brain today but i'm thinking that almost what happens with car park attendants and all you know when the oil the gates going up and down and, and every now and then a gate doesn't work there's got to be some sort of flag or whatever it's almost like you know, i've got a thousand robots in the field and suddenly this this surgeon is not going well it's gone from a green to a yellow now it's a red light issue yeah. no, it's it's i mean i think ideally having someone on the ground would be very very handy and the, the more background they've got the better but i guess the question is for anyone listening to this would you be happy with an ai surgeon with you that's going to vary from person to person and ignorance plays and in its fullest sense and real meaning people who do not know Mm. um uh, 
education and familiarity would be important. So it, it would it'd be analogous to Professor Barnard, who did the first heart transplant in South Africa. Up until that stage, nobody was going to do it. And then there was a slow hockey stick uh, sort of take up of his expertise. And I think that that's the way that AI has got to work as well for humankind in, in that we need to have the confidence gained on an exponential basis. And with that confidence grows additional confidence, like, you know, my mate did it, so that's all right, you know, I'll do it. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of think of like um, uh, just, uh, detection of skin cancers. It's a, a, de a deformity, a discoloration on the skin, and cameras and AI work very well together. I mean, they, they do it with maps, they do all sorts of things. I believe that would be a really good way. Uh, I mean, Suzette, you're nodding away. I suspect that you can see where that would be useful. Very much so. There's a lot of AI technology around um, being able to you you know sort of look at imagery and and process it much far, faster and that sort of thing. Um, but I just want to bring it back to something Ben you were saying about that hub and spoke. For me, that's I think where a lot of this is actually going is that that humans you know the role of humans on what we do. Uh, we're actually I mean there's even some um, thought that humans will actually be managing AI staff instead of staff and such. And so this sort of aspect of having a group of AIs that doing the same function and having that human being the, the, so the, the, the leader or the oversight or something of that, I think is where we're going to. Um, and I think the confidence in things like surgery or wherever this is used comes from that checks and balances that are in, incorporated into the system where the human is ultimately the one still responsible and in charge. Um, I think that's where you get that confidence coupled with what you were saying, Jonathan, around, you know, oh, well, my friend did it, so therefore it must be okay, I can do it. And so it'll take a little while for that first initial few, you know, sort of people to do it. But over time, um, peer pressure in a good way will actually help to, to actually take it forward. Yeah. It's funny what the things that pop into one's head. And, you know, I think that uh, Ben's um, concept of this hub and spoke is actually more relevant. But mine was the, the lass in um, on the Queen's Gambit who, you know, walking up and down, playing against 20 people. She's like the AI <laughs> mm. handling all this huge amount. You know, you have to be a genius to do this, of course, but handling this huge amount of information, which only AI can do, really in a repeatable sense. Uh, otherwise, you have these individual sports of geniuses, which are rare enough. Um, yeah, no, I think it's a way that um, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Confidence is key, though. Yeah, and I think if we work down the hub and spoke model, that that hub had better have multidisciplinary not multidisciplinary uh, team members that have to uh, because, I mean, it's great to have a surgeon there, but if you actually have a genuine tech issue, the surgeon trained in surgery, not, <laughs> not, not in that tech thing. So you can, you know, each discipline has its merits. Indeed, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where you put a limit on the number of disciplines within that hub is it could be its own discussion. But I guess we've um, come to the end of this one in, in a degree. I mean, I know that on all of these topics, we could talk on and on and on. That's because there's so much involved and so much of interest in it. 
But seriously, people, if you're listening to this uh, podcast and have some comments or have some uh, disagreements or agreements, please get in touch with us because we'd love to engage with you. And we look forward to seeing you again uh, the next time. Thanks for listening to the Edgy Tech Me podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to get notified about new episodes.